0: And um, this message is called the will of God. So um, if we can uh, turn, if you've got your Bible, so it will be on the um, screen. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. It says, And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now this v- voice speaks about God's will declared. Then we go to verse 27 and it says, so God created man in his own image In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And this verse speaks about God's will no longer a thought or an intention, but actually carried out. Verse 28 says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth, and this verse speaks about God's ongoing will for man, as he lives out his life on this earth. Oh dear, this didn't go to PDF. This is going to be funny. And then adding to God's declared ongoing will for man, he gave a spiritual promise for all, as in Joel 2:28. And 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Historically we have reached this time in God's calendar when this promise has been fulfilled and it will be carried out and will be continued to be carried out until God comes to take his church away. Joel 2 and 2 is in reference to the day of the Lord, which speaks of events yet to take place leading up to the day of the Lord. Acts 2 and 17 refers to this period as in the last days. And to this end, God knows exactly how much time this will take and how much preparation we will need before the day of the Lord actually happens. In regard to the power of will, there are living creatures in God's creation which demonstrate they have a mental process to make decisions and to act on them within the confines of their biology. But only in man is this will pertinent to salvation because in his image and after his likeness, God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a living soul. Sorry. He breathed into his nostrils the bread of life and man became a living soul. In our human makeup and part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex is the section of the brain right behind our foreheads. This part of the brain helps us with decision-making with choices and regulating our behavior, which all comes down to self-control or willpower. God has a will for everything, and God has given us a will too. And this extends to the choices we will make as to where our souls will spend in eternity. This is a very so- sobering thought. And another sobering thought is that we have no idea of the length of our days. The second part of Second Peter 3 and 9 says, God is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And 1 John 2 and 17 tells us that the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Our likeness to God is not physical because God is a spirit. But from the physical point of view, When God was made flesh, his appearance was in perfect human form. As God, he healed, he raised people from the dead, he delivered people from evil spirits, he forgave sin, he walked on water, and he showed amazing knowledge. When God became flesh, in the same way all humans do, he came into this world as a baby. He grew from boy to man, and as man, he he worked... He walked, he taught, he became tired, he ate food, he was tempted by the devil, he suffered false accusations and threats, he dodged stones thrown at him, he prayed, and he taught the disciples to pray, and in their prayers to express the need for God's will to be done. As a man, he had a decision of submission, and in a very intense prayer, He asked God if there could be another way other than to face the awful pain, beating, insults, and the crucifixion. But his choice was, not my will, but thine will be done. The example Jesus gives to us stresses and accentuates how vital it is for us to seek and to do God's will. We cannot find a stronger example of the need to find God's will anywhere than this example that's given to us today. It was, it was the will of God and fulfillment of his promises to establish an everlasting covenant between him and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their seed. And to this end, the Israelites would be delivered from the slavery and bondage they suffer in Egypt. And to be led to the land God promised them. It was hundreds of years after God's promises when the exodus would actually take place. And it was God's will for Moses to lead the Israelites. Which was a great calling. So God called Moses. Without fanfare and without sounding trumpets to start the day. But just a normal working day. Moses was taking care of his father-in-law's sheep on Mount Horeb. Totally unexpected by Moses. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a burning bush which would not be consumed. Bush burning got the attention of Moses and God called out to him from the midst of the burning bush. God said that he had heard the cry of his people in Egypt and God instructed Moses to go to Pharaoh and to bring forth God's people out of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 3 and 4, this gives us full details of this calling which is miraculous, dramatic, spectacular, and awe-inspiring, so much so that Moses could never question if he really did hear directly from God. And then, being altogether human, Moses responded thus, Who am I that I should go? What name shall I give to the children of Israel as to who has sent me? The people won't believe me or hearken to my voice. I'm not elegant, I'm eloquent, not elegant. I'm not eloquent, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. In all of these negative responses God reassured and encouraged him. So eventually the exodus from Egypt began. It was not plain sailing or straightforward. Moses experienced many trials, hardships, challenges, difficult And much opposition from the Israelites. They faced the Red Sea with Pharaoh and his army behind them. There was no apparent escape. They suffered lack of water. They they received bitter water. There was lack of food. There was complaining, grumbling, and refusing to heed instructions. There was stubbornness. And they encountered the warring tribe of the Amalekites. In chapter 17 of the book of Exodus, and there is this, this is a wonderful account, and I'd like to just retell it here. Moses instructed Joshua to choose men and go out to fight the Amalekites. And Moses would stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in his hand. Aaron and Hur accompanied him. When Moses held up his hand, the Israelites prevailed. And when he let down his hand, the Amalekites prevailed. But the hands of Moses became tired. So Aaron... And Hur held up his hands until sunset when the Amalekites were finally defeated. Moses continued to face more ongoing problems, such as settling disputes among the people, traveling in hostile, harsh harsh climatic conditions, lack of faith from the people, complaints about the manner God provided, but they remembered the fish, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions and the garlic, which they had in Egypt. However, they seem to have forgotten about all the beatings and slavery and hardships that they endured in Egypt, which was so bad they cried out to God for deliverance. And another thing they did was craft a golden calf. They crafted an idol. They made an idol. However, God has his will and his way for their deliverance. God is in control. God is always in control, but God is not controlling. Finally, the Israelites arrived at Mount Sinai. At this time, God called Moses up the mountain to give them the commandments. And this was when the Israelites began to worship the golden calf, which they had made from jewelry, brought with them out of Egypt. This was not God's will. It was their will. And because God is not controlling He did not interfere with their will and their desires. In Egypt, they believed in the one true God. But at the foot of Mount Sinai, they changed their minds and created their own God. The leader in creating this idol was Aaron, who God had used to speak to Pharaoh in place of Moses. It can boggle the mind that Aaron, having such a close walk with God in the fulfilling of his will for the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt can worship another God. In our own personal lives, if we want to act on our own will, for example, perhaps tell a lie, be rude to our parents, disobey authority, not go out to work, or take a job with working hours that interfere with church attendance, we can follow our will, and God will not stop us. Although none of this is His will, but because he has given us our own will, he allows us to express it in whichever way we care to do. If, however, we do ask God to lead us and guide us in decision-making, he will certainly do so. And then we are surrendering our will to his and our desires to him. On Sunday last week, and this Sunday, pastor spoke much about God's will and our will, and he said that God has a will for each of our lives for his glory. He also said that some decisions do not require long prayers and fastings because we already know the answers, we already know which decisions to make. Going back to Mount Sinai, when the Israelites built the golden calf, Moses was up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments from God. For Israel, the Ten Commandments for, from God for Israel, and for all of us who follow him. The first commandment given was, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And when God or gods are mentioned, there is an expectation of worship. Jesus said it this way, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. To worship and to love requires a relationship Right in the beginning God had a relationship with Adam and Eve, and it's well recorded that God loves us and that God is love. If God made us as robots, there would be no relationship. Just commands to obey. And I've asked Sister Katarina if she'll help me demonstrate what it would be like to be a robot. Katerina, stand up. Take a step forward, Katerina. Lift your hands up. Say the praise worship hallelujah three times. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Cry, Sister Katerina. Say <laughs> that's enough. Say hallelujah again. hallelujah again. Put your arms down, step back and take your seat. What kind of a relationship would that be between us and God? It would never work, amen, and that's not God wants. He wants us to give our own free will and to worship him and to praise him. Thank you, thank you. And I request the pianist please to come. I remember a song we used to sing at the time I first surrendered my will to God and began to seriously live for him. The words were, Lord, I will, I will worship, and I will praise you because I've made up my mind. Lord, I will. At that time, and it hasn't changed, but I was head over heels in love with Jesus, wanting to to do anything to serve and look forward to church attendance, which was three times a week, pre-meetings twice a week, door knocking and handing out tracts once a week, Bible college twice a week. This partition was not a hardship in any way. The only hardship was that I left an unsaved husband and family at home. But nothing was going to stop me. I just wanted to be in the house of God, to worship, to hear the preaching and teaching, and to participate in whatever was taking place. And (coughs) so therefore, I I could not understand why we sang and why I sang, I have made up my mind to worship you. I have made up my mind to praise you. My worship and my praise to God was spontaneous, unbidden. There was no mental debate in my mind as to whether or not to praise and worship God. Why am I saying I've made up my mind to worship you? It was the easiest thing in the world to worship God. However, as time went on, I was discovered that I had another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And there were times I did have to make up my mind to worship God. Sometimes when we're facing difficulties, hardships, all sorts of difficult issues in our lives, illnesses, we don't have answers to questions, we're waiting for answers to prayer, things are difficult and we may be tired and weary. Sometimes we, have to come, we come to church and we have to make up our minds to worship God because we want to worship Him, but we don't feel like worshiping because of what's dragging us down. And we need to say, I will make up my mind. I make up my mind to worship you, Lord. There's nothing that's going to stop me. I don't, I don't care if there's difficulties and the problems. You know what they all are, Lord. I surrender my will to you, God. Not my will, but your will. I praise you, Lord, and lift you up. Amen. Shall we stand, please? The Bible also teaches us that the law is spiritual, but that we are carnal Sold under sin. To be carnally minded is death, and the carnal mind is enmity against God because it is not subject to the law of God. The carnal mind is set on the things of the flesh. The human pull on our will is very strong and is not to be underestimated. However, the more we know of the Word of God, And the more we exercise our will, lining up with God's will, the stronger we will become. And we will find it easier to resist the pull against the will, the will to pull against God's will. We can help our minds by thinking thoughts as Paul wrote in Philippians. Thinking whatsoever is honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, and what is excellent and what is praiseworthy. Apostle Paul also stated thus in Romans 12 and 2: And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Surrendering to God's will means letting go of whatever is holding us back and asking God to help us let such things go. When we surrender to His will, He gives us peace that settles our hearts and gives us my, and, and puts our minds at rest. God has his will for our lives, and so let us stay on course, because it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. We, as, I'd like, as we close here tonight, this message... I'd like to ask uh, Sister Cassandra to lead us in a worship song, and let's spend some time worshiping the Lord as we close this uh, message tonight. Amen.